This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Playoff hopes are dashed. G5 teams almost lose their New New Year's Six status. And much, much more from a crazy Week 15. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show we break down football prospects from all levels. High school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. As always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. And remember, you can interact with the show, Prospects 101, on all social media accounts, at Prospects101Pod, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Two-man show today, myself, Kenny Keller, and my other, my other co-host, Brandon Pastel. What's up, dude? What's up, Kenny? How you doing? Good, man. I had a great, great weekend of college football yesterday. Dude, absolutely awesome. The fact that – I think the biggest thing that makes me happy on Saturdays right now is watching Coastal Carolina – the Cinderella story of football right now, it just brings joy to me seeing these last-second comebacks, these big-time wins over BYU. That, was it the coming back yesterday versus Troy with a minute yeah. left after yeah. giving up a touchdown? But it just brings so much joy to me to see a team like that just continue to win and win and win. And hopefully, even though I, be, I would not be surprised if they lose their ranking this week at 13. It's gonna suck, but Dude, not, yeah, not they're gonna they're me. gonna they're gonna win this week, and they're probably gonna get jumped by Iowa, and they're probably gonna get jumped by UNC. Like they're gonna win and fall to fifteen from thirteen. Like such a shame. Yeah, it is gonna be a shame to see that. But let's go over some notable scores because Coastal wasn't the only crazy game yesterday. I, I will say this: that game stressed me out, dude. I was watching it, and I was so stressed. But uh, let's go over some other notable scores. Uh, number one, Alabama circles the wagons against Arkansas, 53-3. to Number nine, Georgia beats number 25, Mizzou, 49-14. Utah with the big upset over undefeated Colorado, 
the aforementioned Coastal Carolina Chanticleers win 42-38 over Troy. Chance up. Chance up. (laughs) Number 17, UNC, with a throttling upset of Miami, 62-26. And LSU, with the upset of the year potentially, beating number six Florida and effectively more than likely ending their playoff hopes, 37-34. Number 15, USC, survives a thriller against crosstown rival UCLA, 43-38. Army blanks Navy, 15-0. Go Army. Yep, beat Navy. There we go. Um, And then number – sorry, and then uh, Virginia Tech – takes home, reclaims the Commonwealth Cup over UVA, 33-15. Pastel, what are some of your thoughts on these scores in this weekend's games? Well, let's just talk about the the elephant in the room right now, and that's uh, obviously Florida losing versus LSU. If you want to talk chaos, this does absolutely nothing assuming Alabama would have beat LSU, or Florida next week. If, if Alabama beats Florida, this essentially does absolutely nothing to the playoff rankings. Now, yep. if Florida beats Alabama – what what kind of wrench does that throw into the plan? Because, one, I think that does give Florida an, an outside puncher's chance that they still yeah. get in, assuming some sure. other chaos happens, like Northwestern beats Ohio State, Texas A&M loses to maybe uh, Tennessee next week. Some things got to happen, but that's the only chaos that I think really effectively happens to the playoffs. Uh, some other notable games, I mean, the fact that USC pulled that game out versus UCLA. UC, UCLA should have won that game, but they didn't. Uh Keaton Slovis looks like a top-five quarterback in not next year's draft, but in the 2022 draft. Uh, U- University of Georgia, uh, Keaton, we've talked about this offline constantly, about Kirby Smart, like what are you doing as a head coach? But they finally have found an offense that is just competitive, at least in the SEC. And this is a team, I don't agree with it, but watch out. Watch them jump Cincinnati next week. Watch them be the yeah. eighth-best team in the nation, if not the seventh, depending on where they rank Florida if they rank them behind yeah. or in front of them. So that would be interesting to see where that kind of falls in. It's just a, a shame that Cincinnati, by the way, is going to keep dropping in these rankings, but I won't for, go on that. For all our G5 fans, Tuesday is going to be a dark day for you because Cincinnati and Coastal are both going to drop, most likely. Oh, for sure. Um, UNC, this is – I was telling Kenny uh, yesterday, this is their coming out party. This is what we always thought they were kind of going to be this year. They're still probably a year too soon. But next year is their year with Sam Howell, probably as a Heisman, one of the leading Heisman uh, candidates next year. And that team has a lot of returners coming back. So watch out for UNC next year. This is just kind of a, a statement game, beat number 10 mm-hmm. by, you know, Miami by like 30-some points. So just watch out for them. Probably the biggest, two biggest games of the uh, day, though. Army throttling Navy, beating them, shutting them out. Yes, Not even sir. putting up a point. Love it. Go Army, beat Navy, and then, of course, Virginia Tech taking home the Commonwealth Cup, which is this complete crying shame, by the way, this year that no one deserves it. Nobody deserves what it an, this year. What an awful game that was <laughs> yesterday. That was such an ugly game. Dude, Armstrong, I know he's a decent quarterback, but he should never play from behind. That guy can just – he no. just he needs to be a dual-threat type of uh, quarterback. He needs to be able to run the ball. You can't do that when you're down by, what was it, 24 points going into the third quarter. It's just He's just not that type of quarterback. But anything this, that this, – this might have been one of the least hyped Commonwealth Cup matchups I can remember in a long time, like a long, long time. I mean, I, we, obviously you're a Virginia Tech fan. We know a lot of Virginia Tech fans. I, I like to root for UVA um, being, the home, being the hometown school and everything. But 
I, I don't think anybody talked any smack going up, leading up to the week, talking like there was no talk. It was just like kind of like, yeah, they play this weekend. <laughs> One thousand percent. The only thing that you know established this season was us beating U- University of Virginia. Only so we don't have to, as Virginia Tech fans, have to hear crap throughout the off season about, oh, you lost to UVA two years straight. Like that's the only thing that that good that <laughs> came out of this game is for the off season uh, crap talking that people would talk. Yeah, it's crazy, man. A couple couple thoughts of my own. Uh, for one, I think Nebraska has officially hit rock bottom in the Scott Frost era. Uh, you lose to a severely undermanned Minnesota team. I think um, P.J. Fleck had said they were without 26 scholarship players, not including injuries or opt-outs like guys like Rashad Bateman. So, I mean, you're talking they were probably down 30 to 35 scholarship players total. And they went out and they manhandled Nebraska. Like, it was never really in doubt. Like, it kind of got close at the end of the second quarter. And then, I mean, Minnesota just pulled away from there. And so, as a Nebraska fan – you know, you're just hoping next year is the year where Scott Frost makes the leap. And, look, I can't believe we're even going to say this. I don't think Scott Frost is going to get fired. To me, that game was a fireball offense, but they're not going to fire him, obviously. But next year, the seat, his seat's warm. I think his seat is officially warm after the season they've had this year. And if he goes out and goes 6-6, six and 5-7, six, and 4-8 next year, he better be careful. He might not be around, even as the anointed son. So, that was interesting. USC, Keaton Slovis is ice in his veins. This is the third, fourth quarter comeback on the final offensive drive for USC that he's completed this year. In, I mean, they're 5-0, and and it's the third one. So do the math there. He's stellar when, when crunch time is upon him. I was just really impressed. I mean, his receivers made some great catches, but he threw some absolute darts on that final drive. He's a stud. One of his – people are going to look at his stats and be like, well, he threw two picks. One of those interceptions was off of a drop. Uh, so sometimes stats can be misleading. But it, what a great game for him. I'm happy USC's undefeated. The Pac-12 could use a ray of hope, and that's USC. Uh, Miami, so far, 0-2 versus ranked teams now. The only two ranked teams they've played, they've been outscored 102-43. to I, 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 We were talking – we had this debate offline. Yeah, it's nice they've won seven games so far, and – and, you know, they've kind of beaten the teams they should beat. But they've been – they're frauds. They've been absolutely manhandled by the two decently ranked teams they've played this year. Um, Buffalo, five games they've played this year, Pastel, and they're averaging 51 points per game. Unbelievable. I wish they could play a full season, man. I'd love to see that play out. Like, averaging 51 points per game. I don't care what level of football you play at. That's ridiculous. Lance Leopold better be getting some looks from G5 programs, which we might talk about that in a little bit later. Uh, Jarrett <laughs> Patterson, the running back for them, has 1,000 yards rushing through five games. Insane. Like, the, uh, an absolute juggernaut on offense. It's crazy. We talk about Bama being the best offense in the country. It might be <laughs> Buffalo. Oh, Buffalo. <laughs> it might be Buffalo. And then yesterday was a great – this weekend, I don't want to say yesterday because the other game was on Friday night, it was a great day for history. Sarah Fuller kicking two extra points, becoming the first woman to score points in a in – a, for, a, uh, I think, a P5 program, an FBS program. Absolutely incredible um, weekend. And then to top that, Jackson He, the running back from Arizona State, the first Chinese-born player to score an uh, FBS touchdown. Like, absolutely phenomenal. Did you see his touchdown run? He completely trucked 
the yeah. defender, kept Dude. his feet going, and then spun off him and scored the touchdown. It was awesome. <laughs> He's a junior going for his first ever touchdown, putting a nation on his back, dude. Like, you ain't stopping that guy from the one. I would He's not got... want to be that defender. No way, life. man. No way. But what a great what a great weekend. You know, great games, great history. Just if you're a college football fan, just a lot of, a lot of reasons to be excited about the football and, and the magnitude of what you saw this weekend. Now, as always, this is a prospect show. It's a prospect-geared show. So let's get into some stock market risers and fallers. Paso, why don't you kick it off and give me some risers? Yeah, uh, so I'm going to go, you know, the guy that we talked about previously in the show, his stock being down, that's Pickens, the, the wide receiver from Georgia. And he finally showed up. He finally showed up. He, he made plays that not many receivers can make. That's just the bottom line. And I think when people see him out there, there's a lot of questions about his character, a lot of questions about him being consistent. Well, I think yesterday versus Missouri just showed the special talent that this kid actually has. Now, he caught five receptions for 125 yards and two TDs, but when you go back and you watch the way he caught these balls, it's DeAndre Hopkins-esque as far as his catch radius. Unbelievable. I would like to see what he can do more after the catch because they, they tend to be more spot type of catches, so he catches it and then you know he goes down immediately. But big-time game for him. He's only a sophomore. He's going to need to continue this and this momentum going into next year to really stay in the shot to be a first-round pick, but he's got the talent. And yesterday I just showed that. The next guy is Dylan Stoner, the senior wide receiver out of Oklahoma State. Oh, my God. He had eight receptions, 247 <laughs> yards, three TDs. This guy hasn't done anything in his entire career, I feel like. Like, he's like, you know what? Today's the day. I'm going to show up. Day. I, I average about 12 yards a game, but today I'm going to show college football world that I'm good. And hey, he did. Man. He did. He it was lights out. And I went back and rewatched that game. It was not just give me catches. I mean, this guy was making plays all over the field. I'm not going to lie. I don't know who this dude is until I watched that game. And I was like, man, like maybe, maybe there's a shot he goes to the NFL. He ain't getting drafted. But this seems like one of those t- stereotypical inside slot receivers that is just a gritty and can make plays. So watch out for Dylan Stoner, the senior wide receiver from Oklahoma State. Big-time player, big-time game. And then – Thank you, Khalil Herbert. I asked, I asked for it this past Thursday. You came through. The running back from Virginia Tech had 162 yards, a TD, and you led the Hokies to victory over UVA. Thank you, Khalil. How about you, Kenny? Yeah, so some guys that, that caught my eye, we talked about the USC game earlier, and I don't know, outside of Keaton Slovis, I don't know if there was more of an impactful player on the field yesterday than – Talanoa Hufanga, safety at a USC. He had 17 total tackles, two tackles for losses, an interception, which, by the way, was returned for a touchdown and then called back because a donk defensive lineman has a block on the back on the quarterback, and it was absolutely ridiculous. Like, he didn't even need to do it. So he would have had a pick six. But he had an interception, and he forced a fumble yesterday. Like, a lot of the reason USC won was because their defense played bend-don't-break football and made big plays when it counted. And and Hufanga was a big reason for that. Uh, I like this guy, man. He Like I said, he reminded me a lot of Troy Palomalo. I know that's a lazy comparison. Ooh, I, I, I know that's a lazy comparison. Um Due to their, their their similarities in heritage, but and, and where they went to school, but that they played very similar. Six one two fifteen. He was making plays in the run game. He was making plays in the pass game. 
He was he was just all over the place. And this isn't the first game he's done that. He's been a force. He's had double-digit tackles all season long. And his lowest, I think, is nine total tackles on the year. I mean, he's just been an absolute force in that defensive backfield and a big reason why USC is 5-0. Excited to watch this guy and excited to see if he declares because uh, he is a ju- he's a declarable junior. Uh, my next my next two guys I'm going to say are Michael Carter and Javante Williams out of North Carolina. Brendan, listen to this. Michael Carter had 25, 24 carries for 308 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 12.8 yards a carry. And then Javante Williams had 23 carries for 236 yards, three touchdowns, averaging 10.3 yards a carry. Yes, they ran for well over 500 yards rushing yesterday against Miami. Just an absolute beast. They both ran for 1,000 yards last season, and they're both on pace to run for 1,000 yards again. And both are draft eligible. And I don't think both will, will, will declare, but it wouldn't surprise me if both did. Like, North Carolina could legitimately have two running backs drafted within the first, you know, two days of the draft. It wouldn't surprise me if they both were a second or third round type picks. So that that's absolutely incredible performance against the top 10 team in the country on paper. Um, Miami, just just an absolute, absolute performance by North Carolina running the football. And, and Javante Carter might have had the – or sorry, Javante Williams might have had the run of the year. He spins out of a tackle, and as he spins – cuts up field and trucks a dude to the point where the guy got knocked back like five yards and did like a handspring backflip almost. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. Then he shook off another dude and ran like another 30 yards before finally getting taken down. Like it was incredible. I hate, you. I hate you and seeing I was even fired up. Like it was incredible. It was awesome. And then my final guy, this I mean, no surprise. This guy's been putting up just ridiculous numbers all year. And that's Jaleon Darden. I mean, he had, he had another three-plus touchdown game. That's his fourth one of the year for going over three touchdowns in a game. In only nine games, he has 74 catches, 1,200 yards, and 19 touchdowns. It's a shame he's not able to get an extra three or four more games in to see what kind of season he could really put up this year because I don't think North Texas is going to a bowl. I would assume at this point their season's over with because that was their last regularly set scheduled game. But look, Jaleon Darden has made an absolute case that he should be one of the highest slot receivers selected this season. I'm not making a case that he should be a first or even a second round pick. He's 5'9", 175 pounds. But Pascal, tell me this isn't the guy that we're going to look at in two or three years in the NFL. And you're like, dude, this guy averages like 80, 90 catches a year for like 900 yards and like six or seven touchdowns. And he ended up being like a fifth or sixth round pick. Like, I mean, I, I think this guy does a great job of just finding ways to get open. At the end of the day, he produces. He produces yeah. on a team that everybody and their mother knows they're going to pass it to him. Like, North Texas is not a good football team. And yet he goes out there and produces every single game. It's like every time I watch him, it's like three TDs and 150 yards. Like, at some point, size, weight, speed, it matters, but when you have stats like this on a team like that, something just tells you, like, this guy can play football. And I want guys like that on my football team. I, you know what I, I see him being? I see him being the kind of guy who's like, like we're starting to see in the NFL more and more. He's going to be like that Swiss Army knife kind of guy, like a Ty Johnson, like a, a Ty Montgomery. 
um, guys who line up in the backfield five or six times a game or catch, you know, they get jet sweeps. You know, he, he's running, you know, little slant routes or bubble screens or tunnel screens all game. Like the, anything to get the ball in his hand, I could see him being that kind of guy at the next level. So really great season. I mean, very hard to argue. It's not even that it, it's all of that. It's not all American worthy. So hats off to Jalen Darden for a great season. I'm excited to see where this guy ends up in the draft. Now, as always, there's stock market risers and then there's fallers. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in all the action on Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in in every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Pastel, who are some guys that are falling on your on your prospect watch this week? Yeah, Graham Mertz, the quarterback out of Wisconsin. You lied to us, Graham. You lied to the nation when you beat Illinois week one and scored five touchdowns, had one incomplete pass, which really probably should have been caught, and zero interceptions. And everyone thought you were the second coming. You were the guy to raise Wisconsin Badgers to the promised land and make it to the playoffs for the next three years. You lied to us, man, because since that game, I believe you have had five picks and one touchdown. Like, you are a complete you just you just aren't good. What are they now? They are two and three. He's had yeah, he's got a total of eight touchdowns, five picks for the year. Yesterday he goes out there and lays a complete goose egg, throwing for 169 yards and a pick. I mean, it, it, he's averaging 4.4. Or yesterday he averaged 4.4 yards per per attempt. Ew, ew, Graham Mertz. And then the next one is Marco Wilson, cornerback out of Florida. This guy probably could have gone to the NFL last year. Decided to come back for what? you might ask, probably to go to the playoffs, a chance at the playoffs. Well, he threw it away when he threw that stupid shoe 
from uh, the LSU wide receiver and threw his playoff chances away because he got a penalty. LSU ended up scoring on that drive and won the game. Marco Wilson, you lost not only the game, but the chances of going to the playoffs for the Florida Gators, and you decided to come back for that chance this year. It's just, ouch. It's it's tough, man. That's, you know, it. it look, at the end of the day, the one thing we all got to remember is these guys are kids, and they make, you know, dumb mistakes like we made as kids. So, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to crush the kid, but man, just what a lack of self-awareness, like in that situation. Like, just, like, I get it. Like, everybody's hype. You made a big play. Like, cool. Flex a little bit, you know, you know, you know, drop some swag on the field as you're walking off, you know, celebrate. That's fine. I, I'm a big pro celebration guy. I love celebration. I love kind of showing up the opponent a little bit, but dude, it's a shoe. Just drop it. That, that takes like a, an, an effort, a conscious effort to go pick up somebody's shoe and chuck it. I, in my 31 years, I've seen that once, and it happened to be earlier this year. But besides that, I've never seen dude. that in my life, someone throwing a stupid shoe. You know what was funny? I saw a Tennessee uh, – I follow a bunch of Tennessee beat writers and fans. Well, I follow a bunch of college football fans. But, and Tennessee was like, man, Florida did something we never thought of to figure out a way to lose like that. And, like, everybody was laughing and, and kind of having a good time. And then someone in the Tennessee fan base was like – someone was like, wait a minute. He's like, you know what? We figured out how to lose a game while this still happens to you late in the game. So I guess there was a play in the BYU-Tennessee game last year where Garantano and Tennessee were driving down the field to, like, I guess try and win the game late. And Garantano got, got tackled, and the defensive tackle who tackled him, his shoe came off in his stomach, and the defensive tackle threw the shoe onto the BYU sideline, like, I mean, like, well into it, and didn't get penalized. Nothing happened, and Garantano had to, like, leave the field, and it was just chaos. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, I was like <laughs> only Tennessee. Oh, my God. SEC refs, they, they'll never it, hear the end of this one. It's absolutely incredible. But, yeah, just a really, really lack of self-awareness there. Man, that's that's tough because he's going to have to live with the fact that he might have cost him. So, now, look, there's other things that cost him the game. It, LSU shouldn't have been even in the same stratosphere as Florida. But at the end of the day, man, you can't make that you can't make that play. You can't make it. You can't do it. Um, for me, my stock market followers this week are two. One, Arizona football has officially hit the lowest portion point of their program maybe ever. They're 0-6. They've lost 12 games in a row. They haven't they're not even really competitive in most of those games. As witnessed, they lost against Arizona State on Friday night 70 to 7. Like and 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 that was Arizona State letting off the gas. Like like I mean, we talked about it earlier. They were putting in guys who like were third and fourth string, and they were still putting up numbers. Guys like, from a different country. <laughs> exactly. Like, dude, incredible. Um, and then of course Kevin Sumlin goes along with that. Kevin Sumlin, if you haven't heard, has officially been relieved of his duties at Arizona football, which isn't much of a surprise. I think all of us were in the group chat texting like, hey, he's got to be gone after this. Like. There's no way you survive that. So Arizona football, my stock market follower, they are in shambles right now, and they need a silver bullet quickly. And then my last guy, I've mentioned him before on stock market fallers, and I, and I don't like to keep repeating the same guys over and over again, but just an absolute dreadful season capped off yesterday by Charlie Brewer and the Baylor Bears. Charlie Brewer threw for 68 yards yesterday and averaged 2.6 yards an attempt. I didn't even know it was possible to average that low of an attempt. Like, that's pathetic. And, you know, this is a guy who 
arguably last year was one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. You know, he led Baylor to a Big 12 title or title berth, arguably with if if not for two late game collapses against Oklahoma, very well could have been in the playoff and at least in the playoff conversation. And, and this year's just absolutely laid an egg. I mean, he has even thrown for 2,000 yards. He's got 14 touchdowns compared to eight interceptions. His quarterback rating is the worst of his career. Uh, his completion percentage is the worst of his career. Just an absolute train wreck of a season for Charlie Brewer. And, and you know, not good. Not great to, to finish off your career that way. So that's my stock market faller. Um, let's get in some rapid fire as we start to close out the show, Pass out. This is the segment where, you know, we like to kind of just get into some hot topics and, and give a little quick take on a little quick blurb about these topics. So, Pesto, as of today, you know, if you had to vote right now, who are you voting for for Heisman? Uh, Devontae Smith. I think that loss to Trask really hurts his chances. And the thing with Devontae Smith, yeah, he didn't have a great game yesterday, but he added a column to his stat sheet by having an 80, 85-yard punt return for a touchdown. Now he has special team stats to go along with his ridiculous receiving stats. So I'm going with Devontae Smith, and then absolutely if they beat Florida next week in the SEC championship. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I So I, I voted for Smith last week. I think I'm going to keep it Devontae Smith as well this week. Um, that's who I would vote for. Who I think is going to win? I think whoever wins the SEC championship next week between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask will be the game for the Heisman, just because, look, it's a quarterback and running back award. I mean, I, I, I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't just the, strictly for those two, but um, I think that's who's probably going to win. But my vote would be for Devonta Smith as well. Like I said, I voted for him last week, and, and Trask and Mac Jones did nothing yesterday to change my opinion on that. Um, who is – so we've had a couple coaches get relieved now. Obviously, Derek Mason from Vanderbilt and Kevin Sumlin from Arizona. Who is Vanderbilt's next coach? I'm going to go Clark Lee uh, from Notre Dame. I'm going to go – I'm torn between Lee, Clark Leah and and uh, Will Healy. I'm going to go Will Healy. I've been hearing a lot of rumors. I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Vanderbilt Twitter that there's been a lot of stuff behind the scenes that Will Healy is the guy. I, I, I'm I, torn because I want to see Will, friend of the program, by the way, if you haven't heard his interview with our, with our show, go back, check it out. It was a couple months ago. Awesome guy. I really want him to be a P5 coach. And I don't. I do think that if he took over Vanderbilt, he's the kind of guy who could turn it around. I mean, he made he made a community care about Austin P. And Austin P. had been <laughs> the worst FCS program for the last 32 years. So if anybody can do it, it's Will Healy. I, but at the same time, I don't want to see him go to Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt's been terrible my entire life, except for the the small the small little window they had James Franklin. But look, James Franklin can do it. Will Healy can do it because I think Will Healy is the next big guy, but I think it's Will Healy. Um, and then, Pastel, who is the next Arizona coach? This one hurts me a little bit, but I think it's Todd Munkin, the Army coach. Okay, interesting. I mean, look, they, they were going to go triple option before they hired Sumlin because rumors and all the rumors and all, the, uno, all the, the unofficial reports where they had reached a verbal agreement with Ken Niatamalomo, the head coach at Navy, who obviously runs triple option. And then Khalil Tate tweeted out and basically declared that if they hired Ken Niatamalomo, he was going to transfer because he didn't come to Arizona to run the triple option. And they backed out because at the time, Khalil Tate was considered a, a Heisman candidate. 
oops. And, <laughs> and Kevin, and so then they brought in Kevin Sumlin and that's just been a disaster since the start. So I, that would not surprise me, but you know what? I, I, I didn't say Jeff Mon- or, uh, is it Jeff? It's Jeff Munkin, right? Todd's bro- Todd's brother. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Jeff Munkin. Uh, I didn't. I didn't say him. I said Ken Niatamalomo. I think they go back and correct their mistake, and they bring in the Navy coach to come out there and coach at Arizona. So it's funny. We both have triple option coaches coming out to Arizona. <laughs> bring triple option back to the West Coast. I come love on. it. I need it back in the. P- I need it back in the P five, man. Yeah. By the way, I've been arguing this since day one. If Dave Clawson, which I pray never happens, ever gets poached from Wake Forest, which, by the way, again and again and again, I cannot believe that jobs open up, especially jobs like Arizona and Vanderbilt, and they are not screaming at Dave Clawson to come revive their program. It blows my mind. But I digress. If he ever gets poached, I will 100% be on board with Wake Forest bringing on a triple option coach. 100%. So, so, all right, so let's do a little prediction time. Tuesday night. College football pl- committee is going to meet and, and give the top four uh, playoff teams. What's it going to be? Well, it's going to be Alabama one. And then 6,000 miles away, number two will be <laughs> Notre Dame. Number three will be Clemson. And then number four will be Ohio State. And those will be the same four teams that make the playoffs in a few weeks from now. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't disagree. I. I. Mine are, mine's exactly the same. I, I, yeah. I don't think you can. I, there's no way to change the top four at this moment. You know, A and M didn't play. Ohio State didn't play, so they can't jump. They can't flop. Switch spots. Bama rolled, and Notre Dame and Clemson were off. So four of the top five teams didn't even play. So there's no way to really switch it. But yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, think about it this way. Even if Florida beats Alabama, what happens? I think Alabama's still in, and I think Florida is probably still out. Say Clemson, which will be a favorite for Notre Dame wins, it, then you're looking at, really, does Notre Dame, does Texas A&M get over uh, Notre Dame? I don't think so. So I think both of those teams get in. And then Ohio State, all they have to do is beat Northwestern next week. And I don't care, as much as people might hate it, that they only played six games and won six games, they're in, guys. You so. you know what the biggest thing Notre Dame was excited about this weekend besides not playing and potentially losing? What's that? That UNC absolutely hammered Miami. That's a huge feather in their cap because they beat UNC by two touchdowns. That's and true. And then UNC just goes out and throttles a top ten Miami. Like like not even wins, but like smokes them. Like if I'm, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm just that's all I'm talking about. I'm, if I was Notre Dame social media team. I would have been congratulating North Carolina just to remind people that, like, oh, yeah, Notre Dame did beat North Carolina, didn't they? I'd be like, man, what a great game by the Tar Heels. An absolute playoff performance hey, by the Tar Heels. Bold, bold prediction, and this is how corrupt the committee is, by the way. I believe Northwestern, which, who I think was 14th or 15th this past week, I believe they jump into the top 10. Why, you might ask? Because I think they're going to want – to have Ohio State to have a feather in their cap going into saying they beat a top ten team in the in the Big Ten championship, dude. If they they're going to make the top it top ten. That would be wild. It'd be nuts. That I mean, would be wild. If if they do though, then I'm never going to watch that show again. But I would dude, not be surprised. Is, is Coastal going to dude? Hold on. Is Coastal going to drop below three teams? So Cause I because because that, uh, that would that would put Coastal yeah. Dude, so Coastal – dude, listen to this. 
Co- the teams behind Coastal that won, Northwestern, USC, Iowa, UNC, they're 14, 15, 16, and 17. Could we see Coastal theoretically drop four spots and win the game? They're going to win, and they could be ranked 17. Well, Miami lost as well, so Miami's going to drop out of the top 10, obviously. So who, who gets put in over them? Who jumps the 10? I mean, in your, if your theory is right, if, then Northwestern jumps them because yep. they're directly behind them. Iowa beat Wisconsin, which shouldn't cause them to jump Coastal, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And then USC is undefeated 5-0 and in the P5 conference. Uh, and then UNC just beat Miami. Like, I don't I don't think UNC jumps them yet, because they just because they do have three losses, but I think they're right behind them this week. Gosh, man, ah, oh, dude, if they if they put Coastal at seventeen, I would I would be devastated. Well, that would be devastating. Let's not end on that note. <laughs> yeah, but look, anyway, at the same time, Coastal is undefeated. Go Chance. Obviously, this is a pro Chance podcast. We're very excited that they're undefeated, and we're excited that this weekend was such a great weekend of college football. Dude, I can't believe it. We've only got one week left of regular season football. You know, a little partial. we got some regular season games. The Commander-in-Chief trophy's up for grabs between Arizona and Army next week. You've got all the conference championship games next week. Should be in store for another great weekend of college football. And then it's bowl season, which we don't know what's going to happen in bowl season right now because teams are opting out of bowl season. Bowls are canceling left and right. I, the only thing we know for sure is that the New Year's Six is probably going to happen. Outside of that, it's going to be crazy. But, look, we made it this far. We've made it to conference championship weekend next week. I, I think it's all we could ask for for fans who wanted college football this season. It's happened. It's taken a lot of effort. Obviously, we want to thank the kids and the coaches and everybody who sacrificed to put on this kind of, put on this season for, you know, us fans, because they didn't need to do it, and they did, and we definitely appreciate it. With that, anything else you want to add, Pastel? Nope. i got to go set my fantasy playoff uh, lineup here shortly. Set your fantasy playoff lineups <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're listening to this show. Anyway, for Brandon Pastel, I'm Kenny Keller. We appreciate all of you for listening to the show. As always, again, you can find and interact with our social media accounts at Prospects101Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're listening to the show, please make sure you hit the subscribe button and make sure if you can review us, give us five stars. It really helps us spread the message of the show. If you like listening to the show and you want to hear more episodes, please, please go ahead and and give us a five-star review. That just helps us out immensely. Again, I'm your host, Kenny Keller, signing off for Brandon Pastel. Have a great weekend.